What is going on, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. And we got a special guest with us today. We got Drew Gentry, host of the Undercover Agent podcast. And today he's going to be joining the show to talk a little bit uh, more about some football stuff. And we're going to break down two key divisions that we think are uh, going to be the most highly competitive going into this season. So we're going to be talking about the NFC West and the NFC South and just kind of breaking the two divisions down and giving our thoughts as to which one will be the more competitive this season. So we're going to go ahead and welcome in Drew. So Drew, how's it going, man? Man, going great. Just leaving Elon, man. Can't wait to get back with you in the fall. Yep. Always some fun times at Elon with one-on-one and all that. And I mean, I'm, I'll be glad to have you back in the fall. We miss you in the spring. <laughs> it was it was a journey being out in Los Angeles for a few weeks. Sad it got cut short. Uh, it was supposed to be there six months, only there six weeks. So feels weird being back on the East Coast. Yeah. So Drew had a lot of work going down at um, Fox Sports, wasn't it in LA? Yeah, I was working with Fox Sports Radio and the Odd Couple with Chris Broussard and Rob Parker on Wednesday afternoons. That's some good stuff and. Um, speaking of, you know, that kind of West Coast thing that kind of fits with our feel, um, we're going to start off with that division in the NFC West. And, you know, it's got some two, uh, two teams in California and a team in L.A. with the Rams and the 49ers. So we're going to start um, with that division. And in, in my opinion, between the South and the West, I think the West actually will be more competitive this coming season. I'm not on that board wave. I'm not on that wave with you. I definitely think the South is going to be a lot more competitive just because how competitive and dominant the quarterbacks are in that division alone. Well, I mean, my thing, my perspective coming from this is when I'm talking about competitive, I don't really think of uh, competitive in the NFC. I think the division itself and with the four teams, I think it's really up for grabs. And versus like the South, you got, you know, maybe the Falcons, they could come back up and rebound from last season and then the Panthers look like they're on the verge of a rebuild or maybe even a reload. But in in the West, I think all these teams are in prime position to take a leap and take this division from the 49ers. Uh Seattle with Russell Wilson, I think they'll obviously be as dominant as they always are. And then the Rams kind of restocked and reloaded in my opinion and kind of trying to get themselves out of the cap and draft hell they're in. And then you got the Cardinals, who made ridiculous moves this past offseason, getting you know DeAndre Hopkins, and then on defense, getting Isaiah Simmons. So I think in that division, all four teams could have a shot real, realistically in taking that. Yeah, I agree with you in all four having a shot there, but that, that would depend on Kyler Murray and how poised he can be in year two. Um, if he is as good as he can be with DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, like they will be an amazing combo that won't be touched along with Larry out there as well. I think they're a really good team, but it all depends on how composed Kyler Murray can be this season. And is there a remote sighting of a sophomore slump? Because if he's down, that's a six and 10 team, you know, because he is dependent, the offense will be dependent on him at this point in time. They've won that DeAndre Hopkins trade without a question, the worst trade that Houston Texans could have ever made. And I just want to see, like, 
with my opinion, looking at this Arizona Cardinals team, is this the year they finally implement Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense to success? And I mean, last season it it worked sub up subpar, I would say. You know, they only won five games, but with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback that looked pretty promising for the team. And now you got a guy, an all pro wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, alongside a future Hall of Famer and Larry Fitzgerald, and then three young uh, up and comers down in the depth chart behind him at wide receiver. And those it, out there are wild too. But that's the thing; he's got to show like maturity. And can somebody stop the run game from the 49ers in that division? Yeah, that's the only issue I have with the Cardinals is their offensive line, and that's what they need to make that offense work. Because you also, I mean, you got Aaron Donald uh, twice a year in LA, and then you got Nick Boza and their defensive line twice a year in San Francisco. So in this division, that offensive line battle against these defensive line teams and the rest of the West is really going to be a key this season for Arizona. Yeah, and I would say that's relatively the same thing in um, the NFC South with the Panthers because they have versatile offensive weapons. They're developing young receivers. But can that offensive line protect Teddy Bridgewater? And can they avoid – can they still let CMC just dominate? But do they have the ability to get the ball to somebody else for once? But then you have the Falcons and the NFC South division who are also, they could be a great contender. We have, we're talking about three teams out of the eight teams in those two divisions that have lost the last three Super Bowls. So they could still be very dominant with Todd Gurley running the ball. They could, I think he's going to have this tremendous season because that offensive line is pretty good. It's just does Matt Ryan get help outside of the tackles and in between the tackles? Somebody to hit the hole. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you obviously got, you know, Drew Brees and the Saints, and then now Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. So that one's just up for, up for grabs as well, and that's why I think I highlighted these two divisions as the two I see being the most competitive this year. But yeah. the South is really interesting, in my opinion, um, with Tom Brady against Drew Brees, because in my opinion, it's going to be one of those two guys I think that will win this division. I agree. There's, I don't think. I think that the Falcons could be a wild card team, sneak in that way, because I think this division alone is going to be better and could have the possibility to pull into or three both wild card spots. Yeah, I think both these divisions realistically, I mean, are potentially could have probably three teams make it into the playoffs and out of the yeah. NFC. I would. I would say. Yeah, I 100% would say that because this. No, I don't believe that any of these teams will be like 13-win teams out of these divisions because I think they will split series. I think that we might not even see the home field come out of these because there's not a cupcake really team in either of those divisions. So I think we'll see like an 11 and five team, two 11 and five teams that come down to a tiebreaker to win both of these divisions. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, if in the NFC North, the NFC East, they're just not as competitive what we're seeing here because the East could potentially have two with Dallas and the Eagles. And the North, it just really depends on how it shakes out with Green Bay and Minnesota, of course. And, you know, can Chicago bounce back? 
Is the it... Nick Foles leads Chicago. Yeah, can... no. <laughs> and then no. the Detroit, are they going to bounce back from a three-win season? Did they actually even do enough to even, you know, get above, say, eight games? Yeah, that's that's a whole other topic. But, like, I, I agree. Those two conferences up there, Washington, my, my team, is just not even going to be close to existing this season. So the East is all right because Dallas – Dallas is always a great team, but Dallas just can't win ballgames. Yeah. So, they don't matter. That division, nobody ever goes above 10-6 and six really to win it. It's all in Carson Wentz. That's his division if he wants it. Yeah, and whatever shakes out with the Dak Prescott situation, if, if he can get a deal done, if you know they're not tired of him and move on to Andy Dalton, and how many wins can Andy Dalton win with that team around him? I think that's the great pickup. I think Andy Dalton is really good. If you look at his numbers, he's really good. But he's been in just a worse situation than Dallas with coaches. He had Marvin Lewis, who had never won a playoff game in like 16 years of coaching. I mean, in, in my honest opinion, if Dallas goes the route of not playing Dak Prescott and goes with Andy Dalton, the team still has the, the yeah the team still has the potential to win 10 plus games with either Andy Dalton or Dak Prescott because of how great the team around the quarterback position is in Dallas. Yeah, and I think this is going to hurt Dak. I think him holding out to be high paid, if he loses his job, he's in the same situation as Cam Newton this offseason. Yeah. So I want to... Like, there's nothing about it. I want to bring like the conversation back to uh, our two divisions we're talking about and yeah. just go back out west and... I want to focus now on the uh, L.A. Rams, who, I mean, oh, yeah. they look good in the offseason. Their jerseys, not so much. Um, but the offseason, I think it's a little questionable, the moves they made, you know, getting rid of Todd Gurley, you know, trading away Brandon Cooks. But their first two picks in the draft, they got Cam Akers out of Florida State and Van Jefferson out of Florida. And those are two high-quality picks. And then Terrell Lewis um, is a guy in the third round who I think was one of the steals of the draft, and he could be an instant starter day one at the linebacker position. So I think they'd have three, you know, potential starters in their first three picks for, um, I mean, the first two, Akers and Jefferson, to give Deshaun McVay to, you know, try to re-jump and restart that offense that two years ago made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, their offense is still going to be very versatile no matter what. They, they always have those picks on the outside. They're going to have a good tight end game. But like you said, their jerseys are going to be horrendous. <laughs> Honestly, some of the worst I saw this year were least. They look disgusting, but that's another topic. Um, but I agree, this offense is going to be, can Jared Goff, is he a system quarterback or can he flourish with what is around him now instead of having a predominant run offense with Todd Gurley for most of the time as a QB. Um, and I believe that that defense is going to be one of the teams that, like we've seen in the past, that can still carry their offense to a Super Bowl. They're not like the Chiefs where they have this amazing offense. They're going to be more like a Brady in his younger years when they had a good offense around him, but they didn't have that – or they had, they had a, that outstanding defense to hold behind them. Yeah, and I mean, with their offense and, you know, getting rid of Todd Gurley, that's going to be a huge blow, in my opinion. 
um, from you know when their offense was so dominant. But in terms of that Brandon Cooks um, trade, I don't really see a problem with that because I think Brandon Cooks, at the end of the day, was holding targets away from Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who I think were the real you know reliable playmakers of that offense. Yeah, I 100% agree with you because we talked about Robert Woods um, on one-on-one sports that one time. That was our my, my disappointment guy. Like they did not use him this season for some forsaken reason. But I just got to live with what they did, and now they had to press the reboot basically. And so next we got the Seahawks, who last year you know won 11 games and made it into the playoffs. But then they lost um, in the divisional round of the Green Bay Packers. But they didn't really do too much, um, I think, in the offseason to really strengthen their team. But they're still sitting at that 11-win uh, team they had last season. And I mean, they added Greg Olson, you know, Bruce Irvin. But then they lost, you know, Jadavion Clowney, who's still a free agent. He may come back. He may move on elsewhere. But... I mean, they didn't really do too much this offseason to really improve their team, but also didn't lose too much to really weaken their team. So it's going to be interesting to see if you know they can replicate their success they had last season with pretty much the same team. And then you can throw in you know the rumors of Antonio Brown maybe coming to the Seahawks. That would be a huge boost and might propel this team you know up the ranks in this division. If they get Antonio Brown, if he is eligible to play, that team with DK Metcalf will be phenomenal for uh, Russell Wilson. And Pete Carroll will be very happy with that offense. But again, he's got to face those tough defenses. But adding Greg Olson is an underrated like underrated pickup just for the veteran presence in the locker room alone. And we know that Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks love to use the tight end because when they did have Jimmy Graham, unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with that. And Russell Wilson, at the end of the day, year after year, is always up there for an MVP candidate. And he's yeah. consistently going to replicate the same level of success year in, year out uh, with Pete Carroll in that offense. But it's just with no really huge moves, you know, eye-opening looking at the list, can they replicate exactly what they did last season and, you know, make it into the playoffs again is going to be interesting with Arizona and the Rams potentially on the come-up. Yeah, like we said, I don't think any team can escape these divisions at better than 11-5. and five. So it's going to be a 9-7, and seven, a 10-6 battling out to like try and get that last win. Like We could have three potential teams at the end of it that are all one game apart. Yeah. So... And then the last team in the West is obviously the San Francisco 49ers, who pretty much waxed the entire NFC last season, you know, going 13-3, and dominating all throughout the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl until they ran into the Chiefs. But this team, they're looking better on paper than they were even last season. You know, they made up for the loss of uh, DeForest Buckner um, with their first pick in Javon Kinlaw. And then made up with Emmanuel Sanders with a better and quicker Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Yeah, that San Francisco team is deadly on both sides of the ball. Um, but I'm really interested to see what Jimmy G does this year and what the offense looks. And will teams start to pack the inside more 
against them and make them put the ball into Jimmy Garoppolo's hand. But I am personally a fan of Jimmy G's game. He's just, he does what he's told. He does what he's, he's not a system quarterback, but he's willing to put himself behind to get those wins. Yeah. And I think that's a great leadership aspect of him, even if he is not the true leader statistically on that offense. And with all of the weapons around him, you know, this team could very well replicate or even exceed what they did last season. And, I mean, if Debo Samuel, the rookie out of last season, makes that second-year leap this year, George Kittle keeps pace of his consistency, and Ayuk shines in his rookie year, this offense is going to be very, very deadly. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean pretty much carry this team as far as he can and it all pretty much will rely on his shoulders because the defense is going to get their job done without a doubt. I think this season will define if the Patriots will regret not giving up Brady three years earlier. Yeah. Because if they could have let Garoppolo take the reins, what would have been with his career? Because he could be one of those guys who just – casually becomes the face of the NFL. Like, he, there's going to be the Patrick Mahomes that always are up there with him battling, but this could be, like, Peyton's Brady, or this could be, like, that's the kind of matchups we're looking at right now is we have so many quarterbacks in this league who could be the number one, number two, number three guy. Who's going to be the guy that gets left behind, and who's going to be the one that wins four, five, six rings? And, I mean, you just pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. And that's what it's really going to come down to is which one of these young quarterbacks and, you know, Russell Wilson's been there and he's done that out of this out of this division is going to come out on top. And, I mean, just looking at it right now, what are your thoughts? And, I mean, which team do you think could run away with this West division? I think the runaway team still got to be San Francisco, but can they avoid the Super Bowl hangover is a really big question, but I believe they can because Jimmy G was trained under Brady and Belichick, which means he's got that mentality to keep going. Even if he's lost, he does. He says he doesn't lose sleep over the games because he knows what he did is what he does. Like He did make an impact on that game, but just because he loses one doesn't mean he can't go win six. Yeah, and I mean, I'd have to say the same thing. It's hard to really bet against Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo after what they showed out last season. That turnaround was remarkable. Yeah, and it was all part of that rebuild process. And, you know, that ACL injury with Jimmy Garoppolo two years ago put a, a one-year stop in what we saw last season. I mean, they very well could have replicated that two years ago if Jimmy Garoppolo never got hurt. Yeah, he was 5-0. and He didn't lose a game starting until this season. Yeah. Which is ridiculous because the dude's just a winner. He just wants to win. He'll do his part no matter what to get that win. If it means handing the ball off or just throwing the ball eight times in a game, he's willing to do it because he knows what's best for a team. And, you know, I agree with that and Let's kind of switch over now and talk about, you know, your NFC South, who you say is the most competitive division. And we're going to start with the team who finished last this past season with Carolina. And, you know, I mentioned that they're a team who could be, you know, on the on a rebuild or a reload this season. And 
might not do up to par as people might think, but with Christian McCaffrey, you know, leading that offense, all hands are pretty much on deck. And then you got in uh, adding in Teddy Bridgewater, who you mentioned earlier, a guy who, you know, went undefeated in the absence of Drew Brees this past season. So what could be the ceiling for this Carolina Panthers team? Seven and nine. Yeah. Seven and nine is about as good as this team can be this season, which will put them, I think they'll be about, they'll get that six win mark around like the 10th or like the 11th week, somewhere around that. They'll be like six and five at their peak. But then I think they kind of just collapse because I don't think that they have the depth to last the whole season healthily. Yeah, I would say the same. I think they're going to be in somewhere of that middle average range, you know, kind of like maybe a, you know, five and 12, you know, up to a seven and nine, like you said. There's somewhere in that range, you know, nothing special. But I don't know. I don't think with Teddy Bridgewater leading that offense and Christian McCaffrey that this team would bottom out and just tank it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's possible because I think their offensive scheme with Matt Rule is going to be really fun because that's a college scheme which half the time works. But Teddy Bridgewater can swing it, and he's a little he's mobile. So having that option beside of CMC. It's just going to be a real fun duo in the back, and we'll probably see a lot of that option game come back in Carolina like they did the season before they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, with Cam Newton running that offense. Yeah, and it's a very similar offense, like that Auburn and Baylor-style offense. And then, so the next team, and I mean, this is a team that I think probably will have one of the biggest turn turnarounds in the league is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, last season finished 7-9, and nine, um, but squeaked right below the Falcons based off of a um, divisional record. But the Buccaneers could make a leap this season with Tom Brady. Yeah, this is a very interesting team. Brady, again, I, I, again, I stick by my 11-5, and five, maybe 12-4, and four, depending on how they get a hold of Carolina and if, like, the defense can hold up because of speed mismatch. But that team is just... Filthy. They put on them every position. They got veteran leadership. They've got young talent. They're absolutely star-studded and have the veteran presence of people who want to win. Because why not Tampa Bay? TB and TB is going to be a special thing, and it'll be definitely defining. We already already think that Brady is the go. Already know Brady is the goat. There's no questioning it. What can he do in a franchise that's like really never won? And I think the really defining thing with Tom Brady here is he's without Bill Belichick for the first time. And exactly. is he going to be able to, you know, be up to par of what he has been all these years in New England? Can he bring that down south now with Tampa, with Tampa Bay and the offense that they have? Yeah, that's what I was saying about uh, if the Patriots wouldn't regret getting rid of Brady three years earlier and keeping Garoppolo what does this mean for Tom Brady? It's the same thing. He's on a tour that's like, I did it without him. Can he do stuff without me? Yeah. And, I mean, with the offensive pieces that they have, Tampa Bay looks in line for success. You know, they got in a new running back with Keyshawn Bond who can help compete. 
um, with, you know, probably their worst position on the team. The running back positions always struggled in Tampa Bay. And, you know, Vaughn may be able to kickstart that and add a little competition into the room. But their, you know, wide receiver duo is one of the top, maybe the best in the league with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, adding Rob Gronkowski now with Cameron Bray and O.J. Howard. And then keeping both of those guys was huge, even with adding Gronk. So that's just nine pretty much weapons all around Tom Brady that he can mix and match as he pleases him and Bruce Arians. He's never had an offense that will be this capable of supporting him. Never in his career has he. And if he can be, if he can put the ball in the same positions that he did this year, throwing, I think, right at like 68% or something around that and his completion percentage. His completion percentage will probably be up there like 74, 75 because everybody around him will be able to catch the ball. Nobody's going to be a drop machine. Nobody's going to struggle to get open. It's just will Brady be able to just get rid of it? Just put it within the range of them and Brady could have one of the biggest seasons he's ever had in his final, I would say, two years of his NFL career. And, you know, the next team is the Atlanta Falcons, who we talked about adding Todd Gurley. And, you know, this is a prime prime season for Matt Ryan, who's pretty much fallen off a cliff the last two years. And he just can't get over that hangover from losing to New England in that Super Bowl. And, you know, is this the year that, you know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones finally turned this offense around, or could we see Dan Quinn, you know, maybe leaving it this season if, again, they go down the drain? I think that this year is Matt Ryan's defining year if he'll stay a Falcon. He has to make the playoffs just to prove a point. Um, because if not, he's in an Andy Dalton situation from Cincinnati, and he's ending up somewhere else next season by being released because he has the weapons around him. It's can he get it done and still put the ball in play and be able to successfully lead the offense and not be scared late in games because he blew one of the biggest games of his life. The biggest game of his life. So do you think more eyes are going to be on Matt Ryan this season or do you think it's going to be on head coach Dan Quinn uh, when it comes to writing this offense? It's both. Both will be gone if Matt Ryan struggles. Yeah. It's uh, it's an equal right eye on Matt Ryan, left eye on Quinn. They don't have an option because that's a hand-in-hand combo. There's no point in getting a new coach that late in somebody NFL's career. They're not going to be able to turn them around if their mindset isn't still winning because they're devastated from a game. And, you know, I mean, Dan Quinn, I think, if the offense goes down – uh, this season, he could be gone. I mean, this is a guy I talked about last season who should already be gone. And you just looking at the direction this team has gone since that Super Bowl and not really much improvement since then. They just pretty much started going down. And this has to be, you know, they have to hit a full 180 right here this season. Or like you said, it could be donezo for both those guys. Yeah, I think it's time for them to move on if they can't get into the playoffs. And that's all I'm asking is for Matt Ryan to be able to push this team to the playoffs and then see where the talent and the offensive line and the defense are and then evaluate. Because no matter what, a good, a great quarterback that is a franchise guy 
should be able to lead your team to a playoff game. Otherwise, it's time to move on. And the other, you know, key point we're kind of glancing over, we talked about earlier, but is Todd Gurley. And, you know, I've never seen a running back who had so much attention on him and all of a sudden off of him within two years. Because two years ago, this guy was a first-team all-pro running back and was just a beast. But then he had an injury. He had that extension before that and all that uh, backloaded money and then led to him getting cut. So now he signs that short one-year deal with Atlanta, which seems like a prove-it deal. And can he get back to that all-pro level he was at in L.A.? I think Todd Gurley is in for success because he doesn't want to not be in the league anymore. Yeah. He doesn't want to get cut. He doesn't want to lose his place. And this wasn't a wake-up call. I think McVay and them knew what they were doing and cutting down his production because if he produced, they would have to pay him a large number in a position that is usually replaceable besides a few exceptions like Christian McCaffrey and Todd Gurley. Those guys are just freak athletes. Derrick Henry at this point in his career. Um, those guys are just irreplaceable, in my opinion, for still trying to be a run-dominant offense. And with Todd Gurley, if he can get back to that all-pro level, he could be the one to carry Matt Ryan and Dan Quinn you know, in, out of this season and beyond and help keep them around in Atlanta. 100%. And if he can improve his pass-catching ability out of the backfield – and be able to spread open like lots of screens because of the size and athleticism of him in the open field. It creates such a bigger, bigger weapon. Um, just being that powerful, you're going against a small corner. That man can run over anybody on the outside. Well, I hate to cut you off, Drew, but we're running short on time. We're doing a quick little episode today. But I want to thank you for joining me today and talking about these two teams. So I appreciate you joining. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Uh, kind of got ran out um, kind of quick there at the end. A um, little time constraints going on with me and Drew. But I want to thank Drew again for joining. And if you haven't um, checked out Drew Jennery's podcast, Undercover Agent, go ahead and go check it out on anchor.fm or anywhere you get a podcast similar to the Slaw Sports Show. Great guy and does some great stuff over in the sports world as well. So again, I want to thank him for joining the show. And of course, if you haven't checked out any of our other content um, via the website or the Twitter and or and or our other episodes, go ahead and check that out too. Uh, we're on Twitter at Slaw Sports Show and the website details are on the um, Twitter as well. So again, thank you for listening and uh, we will see you next time. Peace.